A reading from Ezekiel, page 868 in the Bible. The Lord of the hand was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into those slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, My people I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that the so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit. Help me to speak and give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question. I wonder what you'd do if you were praying and you suddenly felt God asking you to give up shoes, footwear, for 40 days in solidarity with poor people around the world who can't afford to wear shoes. Would you do it? I'm not sure I would. I think I'd start saying, oh, I'm not sure I really heard properly. But actually, that's exactly what happened with a colleague of mine who, trained, who I trained with at St. John's Nottingham. He felt God calling him to do that for Lent. And so he went the whole of Lent without wearing a pair of shoes or a pair of socks. The interesting thing was that although he did it because he felt called to do it by God, in actual fact, he was blessed enormously, or his church was blessed enormously by what he did. Because the newspapers and the local television stations heard about it, and for 40 days they followed him round. 
He was cycling on his bicycle in, on, with snow on the side of the roads. He was giving school assemblies with, in bare feet. And, and they got so much publicity, it was wonderful. But the reason I just mention that is because Ezekiel, the prophet who wrote that first reading we heard, the Valley of Dry Bones, was often asked by God to do extraordinary things in obedience to God in order to convey a message to people. We've heard two stories in those readings. Two stories of death, two stories of hopelessness, two stories of God challenging people to do extraordinary things, but two stories of redemption and resurrection. And the first story, Ezekiel the prophet, um, was, uh, it, it happens that Ezekiel was one of the Israelites who was exiled to Babylon in 597 B.C., Um, They had been overrun by the Babylonian Empire and taken away and they were in captivity, slaves in captivity. And in the second one, um, Lazarus, who is a friend of Jesus, lies dying. And his two sisters, Martha and Mary, have sent a message to Jesus to come because they, they want Jesus to heal their brother Lazarus. But Jesus waits a couple of days before setting off And by the time he eventually gets to Bethany, where Lazarus lives, he's been dead for four days. The situation seems hopeless. The situation for the Israelites in Ezekiel's day in captivity in Babylon seemed hopeless. Jesus, uh, Ezekiel had prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem lay in ruins, ashes and rubble, and it seemed hopeless. And you know, there are often times in our lives, or there are some times in our lives, when things in a particular area seem hopeless. Perhaps a loved one or a friend has gone off in the wrong direction, mixing with the wrong crowd, and you can see that they are getting deeper and deeper into trouble, and there's nothing you can do to persuade them otherwise, and it feels hopeless. Or perhaps like Martha and Mary, you've had a relation or friend with a terminal illness who's dying, and it seems hopeless. Perhaps some people, couples who would love to have children, find that years and years go by and no children appear, and it seems hopeless. How are we to deal with these situations in life? Are we to to, to carry on hoping but risk disappointment? Are we to stop hoping and then be surprised if something changes? Well, the good news is that in both these stories, death turns to life. Hopelessness turns to redemption. So let's look at the stories in a little bit more detail and see what they can tell us about our own human situations. In the Ezekiel passage, the Valley of Dry Bones, it's known as, God takes Ezekiel to a valley where there are human bones, just littered, dry bones, littered all over the ground. But he says to Ezekiel that those bones are going to live again. That's the first thing. The first thing about situations of human hopelessness is that God brings hope. He brings the, 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 the offer of hope into hopeless situations. He says those bones are going to live again. 
in the passage about Lazarus, Jesus sets off and eventually arrives at Bethany, where Lazarus lives. And Martha meets him in verse 21. And she says to Jesus, if you'd been here, if only you'd been here earlier, you could have healed our brother Lazarus. She blames Jesus. But Jesus makes her a promise. In verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. And thinking he's talking about life after death, Martha responds, well, well, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. In other words, I do believe in life after death. But she hasn't quite got it. Because Jesus says next, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And he challenges her faith. He finishes that verse by saying, do you believe this? He says, are you going to put your faith in me? And she positively responds. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She hasn't quite yet understood what he's going to do, but she puts her trust in Jesus. But the challenge deepens. What happens is Mary arrives, her sister Mary arrives, and she asks Jesus the same thing. Um, Mary says uh, in verse 32, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And at that point, Jesus simply kind of breaks down in grief and sadness. He sees how sad everybody is. They're all, Lazarus had been a wonderful, popular, loved person. And they're all weeping. And Jesus, in verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, and one of the most powerful, it says, Jesus wept. But he then asks them to show, them, show him where the tomb is. And the challenge deepens enormously in verse 39, because Jesus says, take away the stone. And they're shocked. Martha says, in effect, she says, you must be kidding. But Lord, by this time, there's a bad smell. He's been there four days. The body's decomposing. What, 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 what are you asking me to do? Jesus, first of all, promises. But then he challenges us to step out in faith. In the Ezekiel passage, he asks God asks Ezekiel to do something even as mad, if not more mad, than rolling away the stone from the tomb of Lazarus. Because he asks Ezekiel to prophesy, in other words, to preach, to to, to speak God's word to these dead bones in order that they'll come alive again. He asked the right person, though. Ezekiel was familiar with doing extraordinary things for God, and so he didn't doubt God. He started prophesying. And we're told in verse 7 of that passage, Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was still no breath in them. So... The bones, the dry bones, had now turned to bodies, but they weren't moving, they weren't alive. 
And so God says, well, prophesy again. Keep prophesying. Prophesy the breath into them. It's really interesting. This word breath in the Hebrew, is, is, it's the same word for breath and the spirit, ruach. It's, it's one and the same. It's the same word that's used in the Genesis account of creation when God breathes breath into the dust and Adam comes alive. And so Ezekiel does this. And he, in verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So there's a promise and then there's a challenge of faith. But when Ezekiel steps out in faith, God acts and the bones stand up, the people stand up, assuring him that the Israelites will in fact know a better future. And if we turn back to the the passage about Lazarus, the same thing is going on, the same dynamic is going on. Jesus has promised that Lazarus will rise again. He's challenged them to remove the stone from the tomb. They think it's a mad thing to do, but eventually Jesus persuades them. In verse 40, Jesus says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus says, Lazarus come out, and Lazarus walks out of the tomb. They step out in faith, and God acts. And that is the the dynamic of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God loves us so much. In situations of human hopelessness, God, first of all, promises a better future. It doesn't mean that he will definitely reverse whatever situation you find yourself in, but it does mean that he will hold out the hope of a better future. But he will nearly always challenge us in some way to take a step of faith. And when we do, God acts and delivers us, and we see redemption and resurrection. You know, some people say, well, you know, I I don't see why I should believe in God, because because I've never seen God do anything, I've never seen him do anything for me, and why, why should I believe in him? But you know, that's not how it works. Faith and belief, they are the other way around. You have to believe before you can see God act. That's certainly been my own experience. When I was deciding whether to come out of business and go into ministry, I I was in a big dilemma. I was earning a lot of money and I knew I would have to say goodbye to all of that. Um, I had children who still, I hadn't got them through school and university. I knew there was a lot of cost involved in that ahead and would I be able to afford to do that? All sorts of doubts came into my mind. But, but eventually, with, 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 with some prayer and, and some encouragement from others, I eventually took a step of faith and I went to see my old vicar. Well, he was not old, but you know what I mean, my previous vicar. And I went to see him and I said, um, and I said look, I feel called to ministry. And he said, well, that's fine. He said, well, we'll explore that. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at that. And uh, it was only after that that an extraordinary thing happened because God sent a woman from Exeter to Reading it seemed, for no other reason than to tell myself and Kirsty that she'd been having a, a recurring dream in which she saw 
me leading a church in ministry, in full-time ministry. And she'd be having this dream over and over again, just in the two weeks before I talked to the vicar. So it, it was like, I, to me, this is how it felt. I stepped out in faith to explore my calling, and the next thing is God confirmed it and said, yeah, you're on the right track. That's the, the dynamic of the gospel. And, and today, whatever your situation, if, whatever situation in life you find that feels hopeless, God goes on. He loves us so much. He goes on giving us hope, giving us the possibility of resurrection. And I'm going to finish by reading you a little article from the Yeldall Manor, the Yeldall Manor um, newsletter. If you don't know Yeldall, it's a Christian rehabilitation um, centre just outside Reading, on the, on, the, on the east side of Reading. And this is a, a short article written by Atara, who is one of the counsellors who works there. So it helps people with, with, with alcohol and drug addictions to, be, to, to get straight. And this is what she writes. Whilst reading Ezekiel 37, that's our reading this morning, one morning, I was struck by the Lord's amazing power and ability to bring back to life what was once dead. For those who have contact with the men at Yeldall, this is a daily truth. As a counsellor here, I have seen many men walk through the doors, hopeless and numb, effectively dead within their very being from addiction. Some have nothing left except a numbness that pervades every area of their life, believing that life will never get better. As the weeks and months go past, we see them slowly rise and get physically better. They're eating and exercising and sleeping well. It's at this point that some, sadly, decide to leave the program, whilst others continue. At Yeldor Manor, we never pressurise anyone to take the next step of Christian commitment, but the Lord longs to breathe his very breath into their soul and spirit so that they're not just existing, but living. The men who do invite the Lord into their life witness this power of resurrection. They see the healing within their mind and body. They experience restoration of relationships with their loved ones. They have an inner peace and confidence previously unknown, but mostly they feel accepted and loved and therefore able to give love back. They are no longer in the valley of the dry bones. They have been resurrected. They have stood up and walked out of the valley, part of a vast army of men who have been made new in him. It is only the Lord's living breath and spirit that can do this miracle, and he does it again and again. God is in the business of resurrecting the dead, even today. And God is in the business of doing that in your life and in my life, in the areas that we find difficult or hopeless. Amen.